You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, I'm super grateful to be here. My heart has exploded for Asbury, whether you're a freshman and I haven't met you, or if you're a sophomore, junior, senior, and I haven't met you, or you're someone who I coach in soccer or have had coffee with, I've missed you. It's been a joy to tell our story around the world. And God is using your testimony to encourage people all over the globe. When I was praying about what happened in February, I know we keep on talking about it, but when I was praying about what happened in February in the last couple months, and then I was praying about this semester, and then I was thinking of myself and my wife, at a school very much like Asbury called Indiana Wesleyan, we started praying, what is the thing that I wish someone preached to me? That I wish someone unlocked permission, that someone opened God's word and and taught me. And sometimes when I'm here, I have to be really honest. Like my insecurity just wants to be like, if I have like three good jokes and one good point, like I'll give a high five and get out. Today is not that day. Today, I'm going to put on my big brother pants, my pastor pants, and I want to talk to you about something that I think some of you guys are afraid of. I know I am afraid of, and that's the concept of doubt. You're like, wait a second, you're, you're the guy from the outpouring, you're a pastor, you go to the seminary, like, what are you talking about doubt? I want to talk to you about doubt because I have doubt, and I think there's people in this room that has doubt, amen? And I want to say one thing, if you know the character of Christ— then you would know this, but I want to just remind you, no one in this room is in trouble for their doubt. No one in this room. No one in this room is looked down on or set aside by God or by the pastors and leaders of this campus because of your doubt. I wish I heard this. When I was praying for you, I really felt like the Lord invited me to dignify those who have doubt. I pray that today, chapel would not need to be the most exciting or epic service. We've had enough of those. I pray that this feels safe, that this chapel feels like home. This is my point for us today. Doubt is not a pitfall to avoid or ignore, but a pathway, if handled with care, for deeper trust and intimacy with Jesus. You don't have to sidestep doubt. You don't have to fake that you're, you got it all together. If you handle it with care, you will walk through doubt and have a deeper faith in Jesus. That's my story. You guys know my story. I was physically and sexually abused, creating doubt of, is God really that good? The idea of God as a father was not a helpful place for me. Doubt. Then I do ministry and I get this diagnosis about my daughter, Esther, who's in heaven now. And I've never prayed or fasted for more in my life. But Esther is in heaven and is not home. I doubted. I doubt. But for some apparent reason, not through a podcast or a book or a good coffee with a pastor, but because of Jesus Christ and my grit, maybe, to just plant my feet and say, Jesus, I'm going to look you face to face. I'm going to tell you I don't believe you right now. You think he was offended? He got his feelings hurt? He just wrapped me up. And some of you guys need to hear the permission that you will not hurt Jesus' feelings. He's sitting on the throne. He is very confident in who he is. Your questions aren't going to shake that man, but your questions might get you to know that man. And that's my prayer. 
The thing with doubt is you see this kind of pathway that you'll see up here. A lot of times religion and places even like this make us believe that there is no place for doubt. No place for doubt. You might hear the, the comment, man, you just need to have a little bit more faith. Has anyone heard that? Maybe you're struggling with depression. Maybe, maybe you just need a little bit more faith. Maybe you're struggling with singleness. Oh, you just need more faith. That is religion and control and fear. It can lead to shame. A lot of my years following Jesus, that is where I hung out. That is where I hung out. Now in culture today, we're, we're in the season of secularism. Have you guys heard that word secularism? And that's this concept of doubt everything. Nothing's off limits. Doubt your sexuality, doubt God, doubt whatever. Your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. Doubt everything. But that's flippant, that's gray, that's wish-washy. We can't plant our feet. Your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. There's not security there, but that's most of my family. The way of Jesus down the middle is walking alongside of Jesus, not walking alongside of Zach, not walking alongside of Greg, not walking alongside with your RD, but walking alongside of Jesus. And if you are doubting, who are you walking alongside? Because if you're walking in the way of Jesus, you're going to experience a very personal God who is patient, passionate, compassionate, pursuing. Matthew 11, he opens up his heart, and what does he say about himself? He's kind and humble. Are you, in your doubt, experiencing God in his kindness and humility? Are you treating your doubt the way that Jesus would treat your doubt? That's been a question I've asked myself since February. Zach, are you handling your brokenness the way that God would handle your brokenness? Because it doesn't seem like it. Anybody else? When you screw up, when you look at that thing, when you act nasty to a neighbor, and you start handling yourself very differently than the Jesus Christ who died on the cross, who's King of Kings, Lord of Lords would treat you, who's the wrong one? Me, you, not Jesus. So when we talk about doubt, I'm going to skip a little bit to an A.J. Swoboda quote. A.J. Swoboda was here earlier, and he talks about this. The truth is that it is easier to change God and the Bible than to change our lives. Usually we go for the more convenient option. It is always going to be easier to bend the ways of God around our lives than to bend our lives around the ways of God. We, will always, we are tempted to always take the most convenient way. In suffering, I will take the most convenient way to relieve my suffering. But in Christ Jesus, we have to stand in Jesus and what he says. And sometimes that's not that convenient. How are you bending God's ways around the most convenient way? And how can we stop by just knowing that Christ is okay with our doubt? We're going to talk about three folks journeying with doubt. We're going to hear about Thomas. We're going to hear about John the Baptist. And then we're going to hear about a dad who's heartbroken for his son. We're going to talk about honesty with our doubt, humility with our doubt, and some hunger with our doubt. You guys with me? Yeah? I saw four people shake their heads. Praise the Lamb. But first we're going to pray, okay? Jesus, I pray that anything from Zach, anything from a charisma or woo, Jesus, I, I pray that you would just simplify this moment. You would humble this moment. I pray like Paul wrote in, in Corinthians, that I don't come with impressive speech that they would have confidence in me, but they would have confidence in Christ and Christ crucified. They would see the power of the Spirit and not the power of preaching. So anything from me would it be forgotten, but anything from you, Holy Spirit, will find fertile hearts or fertile soil in the hearts of these people and on this campus. Amen? Amen. First, we're going to Doubting Thomas. That's a tough title to have for the history of mankind. I wish it was like Handsome Thomas. So this is post-death 
In John 20, if you want to go there, you see verses 1 through 10, Peter and John run to the tomb, and the tomb is empty. Their hopes are up, right? Then Mary gets to the tomb, and Jesus appears to Mary. Shout out, ladies. Jesus shows up to the lady first. What's up? And verse 19 to 23, Jesus appears to the disciples, but someone's missing. Do you know who's missing? Thomas. Where do you think Thomas was? The empty tomb for Peter and John, Jesus appears to Mary, and then Jesus appears to the disciples in verses 19 through 23. But we see in verse 24 and 25, for some apparent reason, Didymus, who they called Thomas, was not there. We see this in verse 25. The other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Can you imagine the emotion of Thomas in this moment? Thomas had been journeying with him during those three years of ministry. He realizes that Jesus is crucified and Jesus shows up to everybody but him. Does anyone relate to that feeling? Maybe at the outpouring, you saw a campus experiencing God and you're just like sitting there like, I don't feel this. In fact, this is just scary. I want this to be done. Would you relate? Or maybe you're in chapel and you're seeing people raise their hands and you're like, I'm not experiencing God like that. There is a dignifying man in scripture named Thomas that gives you permission to be honest with how frustrating that is. Do you know that? Do you know you have permission? You don't have permission to be frustrated and go off in sin, which most of us do in doubt, right? If that's not happening, then I'm going to go drink. I'm going to go look at porn. I'm going to go masturbate. I'm going to go smoke weed or do whatever. So many people go there in doubt or maybe more timid in doubt. They just say, screw it all. I hate the church. I hate Jesus. Most of my friends have walked away from the faith because They did not handle their doubt correctly. Now we see Thomas handling his doubt honestly. That's our first point. He said to him, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. That's raw, right? That's raw. He was honest. Are we honest? I think Jesus wants to respond to our honesty. He cannot heal the fake version of us. I'm going to say that again. He cannot heal the fake version of us. We have to come honestly. Thomas does something that I want to challenge us. He does not spiritually bypass this moment. I have spiritually bypassed so many moments in my life. Spiritual bypassing is actually first written about a guy named John Wellwood, who I'm just going to be honest in front of Kevin. He was a Buddhist, not Kevin, but this guy. And he wrote this about spiritual bypassing, the tendency to use spiritual ideas or practices to avoid or downplay emotions, wounds, doubts, or areas that are not developed. I have spiritually bypassed so much of my suffering to look good in Christian community. Anybody else? You stuff, you stifle, you hide away, because what would that actually mean? Jesus is saying, bring it all into the light. Quit bypassing this. There's no fear or shame in bypassing. You need to be honest. Eugene Peterson says this, the reason many of us do not ardently believe in the gospel is that we've never given it a rigorous testing, thrown hard questions at it, and faced it with our most prickly doubts. I am not afraid of your prickly doubts. I am not afraid of your hard questions. Greg Hasselhoff, one of the best pastors I've ever led with, is not afraid of your prickly doubts. Amen? He is not afraid of your hard questions. Your professors are not afraid of your rigorous testing. Your RDs and your RAs and your SLAs, they are not afraid of your prickly doubts. More than anything, Jesus is not afraid of your prickly doubts. 
but we have to doubt in community. Thomas does this. Thomas brings that doubt among other community. This is my community. Awesome. Justin is right next to me. He's a pastor downtown. Kurt Vernon, he looks like Buddy the Elf, and it's real. And then Andy Eaton is married to Maria Eaton. Shout out to Maria. She's our nurse. Awesome. Four of you. Big fan of Maria. And um, this is where I handle my doubt. When my daughter was dying and I didn't know what I was going to do, this was a safe place for me to steward my doubt. What doubt wants you to do is go hide. But we have to push through and get into community with our doubt, with our suffering. Amen? You have something here called bands. That is a safe place to handle your doubt and your questions. Justin, Kurt, and Andrew have stewarded the ugliest pieces of my life. And I think the, one of the only reasons that I'm here today is because of these three men. Thank you, God, for Justin, Kurt, and Andrew. And would you bring these brothers and sisters, Andrew, Kurt's, and Justin's in their lives? Amen. So then, verses 26 and 27. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Some of you think that Jesus would show up in this moment and say, seriously, Thomas? Are you kidding, Thomas? No, Jesus shows up and says, peace be with you. And then he invites Thomas to do the very thing that he longed for. I want you to see this. Doubting Thomas should be called honest Thomas. Doubting Thomas should be called honest Thomas. Some of us feel like you're marked with doubt, and you could take a step today to move from doubt to just honesty. You know what honest Thomas does? Honest Thomas is the first apostle to go out of the Roman Empire. He brings the gospel to India, and there's still Christians in India today named Thomas, either first name or last name, because of a doubting apostle. How about an honest apostle? Would we be honest with our doubt? Asbury, be honest with your doubt. Be honest with your doubt. Be honest with your doubt now. So when you do get the diagnosis about your daughter, you've done some work. When you do go through marital hardships, when you do lose the job, when you don't get the job, be honest with your doubt now. The next one is John the Baptist. Who knows about John the Baptist? Cool, seven of you. John the Baptist is filled with the Spirit of God in the womb of his mother. He dances because he gets close to Jesus. And then he prepares the way of Jesus. John the Baptist is a wild man. He's a wild man. He is confident. He not only is preparing the way for Jesus, he's at the baptism of Jesus. And what happens at the baptism of Jesus? Pretty convincing, right? The heavens open up and a dove comes down and the voice of the God says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Would you imagine that John the Baptist doubts? He does. He gets put in jail. He gets put in jail. And imagine the humility that's needed. When he is in prison, he gets his disciples and he says, can you go talk to Jesus, my cousin, for a second? And can you just ask him this question? I believe I have a slide of this question. This is the humility of doubting John the Baptist, who had experienced some amazing movements of God. Anybody else? Anyone else have experienced just amazing movements of God, but find themselves because of circumstances, possibly, that you're in a season of doubt? You're in good company. John the Baptist, right? He says, are you the one who's come? Or should I just expect someone else? He said, did we get this wrong? Because my circumstances make me feel like I might have gotten this wrong. I'm putting on my pastor pants. I'll say a joke at the end. Don't worry. The humility of this. You know what Jesus says because of the humility of John the Baptist? He tells his disciples to go back to John and just testify to Jesus' work. He says, go tell him that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are being raised, and I'm proclaiming the good news to the poor. You know what he does? He just instills who he is. 
He doesn't even really answer John the Baptist's question. He just says, let me just tell you who I am. Some of you in your circumstances are doubting and you're not listening to Jesus just telling you, this is who I am. When I lost my daughter, I did not get a whole lot of answers on why I lost my daughter. But you know what I did learn? Who Jesus was in the midst of my loss. You know what Jesus does? He's starting to preach. This moment is happening with his cousin in prison. And in verse 11 of Matthew 11, Jesus says this, there is not one person who is born of a woman that is greater than John the Baptist. Some of you guys need to be honest and humble in your doubt. And you think that's gonna put you on lower tier Christianity, but we have an example of Jesus Christ exalting the person who is just humble in his doubt. Gene Edwards wrote a book called The Tale of Three Kings. Tale of Three Kings is one of the best leadership books you can ever read. It made me snotty cry every time I read it. He wrote a great book called The Prisoner in the Third Cell. Not as many people have read it. It's about suffering. It's about the story of John. And this doesn't feel like a big uplifting quote, but I just want to be honest with you. I think this quote is powerful, okay? A day that which awaited John awaits us all. It is unavoidable because every believer imagines his God to be a certain way and is quite sure his Lord will do certain things under certain conditions. But the Lord is never quite what you imagined him to be. Amen? You have now come face to face with a God who you do not fully understand. Anybody else? You have met a God who has not lived up to your expectations. Every believer must come to grips with a God who did not do things quite as they expected. Anybody can relate? Next one. You are going to get to know the Lord by your faith, or you will not know him at all. Faith in him. Trust that it is him, not in his ways. Guys, the opposite of faith is not doubt. It is control and certainty. The opposite of faith is not doubt. It is control and certainty. The lie that you might believe is when I have total control and 100% certainty, I'll be happy. You won't be. John was out of control and uncertain of what he would be experiencing, but he was humble in his doubt. This is my second one. Be humble in our doubt. And as I close, I want to tell you this. In his humility, was he met with grace and confirmation? Yes. But did his circumstances change? No. He was beheaded in prison. The last one is this, a boy's father. I'm going to tell it very quick and then we're going to pray. We're going to jump straight to Mark 9:24. This is a man who uh, his son has been possessed by a demon. His, this, this demon throws this son into the fire of the water to try to kill him. He gets stiff. He shakes. He foams at the mouth. He finds Jesus. This dad has already brought the son to the disciples and he's disappointed. Anybody can relate? I've already brought my stuff to Christians and nothing's helped. Anybody? I wonder if you've gone straight to Jesus yet. Because this father goes straight to Jesus and he says this, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. In the message it says, I believe, help me with my doubts. What does Jesus say? Next slide. Some of you guys believe that that's how Jesus treats you. You know what Jesus does? He heals his son. Would you be hungry? Would you be hungry in your doubt? I believe, but I need a little bit more. My life isn't working. Through the chaos of being thrown into the fire and the water, through the disappointment that the disciples didn't do anything, he fought through his doubts, through hunger, and said, I'm going to be honest, humble, and hungry with my doubts. Remember, we're going to go boom, boom, boom. I think it's three. That's my blue chair I'll tell you about later. Be honest, humble, and hungry. Next one, reminder. Doubt is not a pitfall to avoid or ignore, but a pathway, if handled correctly, for deeper intimacy with Jesus. Do you want to walk through that pathway, or do you want to handle it flippantly, avoid it, 
and sit in a pitfall that will lead to death and destruction. Because you, you're on a campus that's ready to walk you through the pathway of doubt. We want to dignify your doubt. The fact is that Jesus died on the cross for people that were imperfect, not people who had it all together. There's freedom to walk a pathway to deeper trust and intimacy with Jesus. Amen? If you feel led, we're going to worship one more time. The altars are open. If you need to just make yourself known right now and stand and say, I need more hunger, humility, and honesty in my doubt, would you do that? And would we see what the Holy Spirit might do in our midst? Amen? Jesus, thank you so much for your word and how it is living and active and it's applied to our lives and it can encourage us even when we're broken and in doubt. Jesus, we want to experience all of you and we don't want our pride and our brokenness to keep us from that. So Jesus, would you convince us of your kindness, convince us of your gentleness. Jesus, would you move in this moment and through this week and through conversations that we would grow in honesty, humility, and hunger in our doubt. I break off cynicism or fear that keeps us from honesty. I break off pride that keeps us from humility. And I pray that we would have a greater affection that would lead us to hunger for Jesus and not hunger for lesser things. And we all said, amen.